Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. And today we have a special podcast we are bringing in. That's right, the guy from the group chat, Sam, aka Sam Kuyper Jr., who's going to talk about the NFL draft with us, specifically what is going to happen with the Chiefs and who are the Chiefs going to draft. We got a lot of great content today. For those of you that don't know, uh, Sam, actually, Sam, why don't you promote yourself? Let us know about um, the uh, sub stack that you have and kind of what you've been doing with the NFL draft. Yeah, I, uh, as um, always, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Um, I uh, launched a, a sub stack blog, um, Flyover Sports. I feel like it's, it helps to be a little self-deprecating um in in the the middle country here and so it's taking a look mostly at the nfl draft right now uh, there's some tasty realignment stuff uh in there from a few months ago um in the college sports world um it's primarily big 10 so it might be outside the uh the scope of uh, the kansas city market uh, unfortunately but um you know there's probably some crossover there so flyover sports on Substack is is where you can find more of my stuff you know, can I jump in on this real quick, Armando? Get in there. So Sam already knows what I'm going to say. So there was a Reddit form the other day that essentially somebody asked uh, when making these media market deals with these big conferences, which conferences lay claim to Kansas City and St. Louis? Because obviously, you know, there's three huge, you know, presences in Kansas City, KU, K-State, Missouri. And, you know, same thing can go in Missouri. You know, I was like, who claims Missouri? Is it uh, St. Louis? Is it Missouri? Is it Illinois? Is it Iowa? Is it like a Chicago school like Northwestern? So Armando, as a third party transplant who lived in Kansas City for a while, if you had to rank the biggest college sports presences in Kansas City, how would you rank them? Um, you mean like team specific? No, just like who, who has the, the most vocal fan base? Like if like if I'm in if I'm in Iowa City, I'm like, yo, Iowa City's obviously like an Iowa, you know, contingency. Yeah. Or like if you're in California, like California is primarily UCLA, then USC, and then like, I don't know, but Oregon. Okay, so who are, so wait, say your question one more time, because I, <laughs> I have like multiple answers. Rank the sizes of the fan base. Who, if they if they had like a war, like who, who gets to lay claim as the most popular school in Kansas City? Um, I, I think KU's one. And, okay, but but Mizzou is so vocal, like their their fans are the loudest fans, I think, like, and the very really? attentive and like like on sports radio, like I hear so much about Mizzou over anything KU, but just the sheer size of KU's fans in Kansas City, I'll have to say Kansas City one or sorry KU one, Mizzou two, and then K State three. Interesting. So you think Mizzou is bigger than K State? Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear a ton, dude. On on like six ten radio and eight ten radio, they talk about Mizzou all the time. I rarely hear about K State. Okay, that's fair. On the radio, K State definitely is smaller. I would say, and I said this to Sam the other day that like mm -hmm. I feel that in terms of like visible fan base, like Missouri's the third. I would really? have said, really? oh, you say K State's two. I would say in terms of visibility, like KU is obviously number one since Lawrence is basically Kansas City. Right. And yeah, then, how far is it? Like forty-five minutes? Yeah, yeah. Four, okay. five minutes. Yeah, straight down seventy. But no, but I, I just because they're so good. Like anybody, even if they didn't go to KU, they root for KU. 
And I, sure. I, I was just saying, like working at Starbucks and working at Boulevard, I felt like I had no fewer than like six or seven K-State alumni that I worked with there. And I think maybe like mm. two Missouri alumni. But then again, those are both like two pretty kind of like blue collarish locations. You know, it's not like a, a big credit firm or something like that, which might be where like the Missouri grads work. I was going to say, I think like living in Brookside or like kind of having a community in Brookside, mm. I definitely saw a lot more Mizzou than I did KU and K-State. Rarely did I see K State. I only saw K State when they did like some dumb stuff. So I know I know KU is is the the maybe more white collar compared to K State. But from what I'm gathering, is Mizzou uh, ahead kind of in the the academics and, uh, over Kansas? I don't think so. I think no, that they're they're probably like really close. K State, I think. Yeah, over K State for sure. I think they're both probably mm-hmm. in like U.S. World Report. They're both probably like within like ten or fifteen of each other. But I've always gotten the idea that like KU is the academic school because they're the one with the med school. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Missouri's got like journalism, and like I couldn't tell you what like the next thing at Missouri is. You know that you go right. there for right. They're both <laughs> AAU members. I know because mm-hmm. I I was looking at the Big Ten and who they would consider, and they like that AAU membership. Yeah, um, but I I didn't know you know, the, the rivalry between them, who was considered, you know, the better school academically. Let's see. According to us news and world report, Kansas is one twenty one, and Missouri is, you will not believe this tied at one twenty one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. So over there. there you go. Go figure. Anyway, I've hijacked with enough college talk. Armando, take it away. <laughs> um, no, actually Reese, why don't, why don't you stay on this? Um, Reese, if uh, if people really enjoy what they're hearing right now and they can't wait to hear Sam Kuyper Jr. mock draft 2.0 and talking about who potentially can go to the Kansas City Chiefs, where could they donate on Patreon? Or, um, well, they should donate on Patreon. I mean, <laughs> Sam Kuyper Jr. knows. Um, but also, where can they follow us on social media? You can follow us on social media at Instagram.com backslash. Well, no, not backslash. Just look up Fountain City SM on Instagram, you knuckleheads. We're there. We're posting previews of every week's episodes. And we're posting uh, memes, crispy memes, and all the memes in betweens. Now, if you really like what you hear, you can find us on patreon.com backslash FCSM, where you'll find access to bonus content, including Speedy and Angry, our 10-part in-depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise. I'm hoping to finally record Fast 9 this weekend, especially since pre-sale tickets are going on sale soon for Fast 10 with Jason Momoa. Dude, what if what if you like bootleg record Fast 10 and then do like an Instagram live like as the mm-hmm. movie's going on, you and Alex do an Instagram live. Legally, this <laughs> is a bad idea. <laughs> I was gonna say with a lawyer present. Oh, I guess I guess, what's I the guess, worst yeah. thing that can happen? People here, yeah, I guess I guess yeah, intellectual like property. You know, I, 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 yeah, just 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 some free some free legal advice. Maybe not. Maybe no. What if what if Reese makes a fake account, then does the Instagram live, but also says like follow found cities mm-hmm. pork media. I am not going to uh, to advocate any advice that would otherwise violate another uh intellectual property holders rights so what if it says city city of fountain sports media um i'm gonna plead the fifth okay what if i (laughs) hold it towards the screen but i'm using like the baby face filter so you just have like literal baby looking dom toretto and those kind of guys that kind of intellectual property is that fair use parody 
Um, I think there's only one way to find out. So <laughs> go have at it and see what happens. Sam's so, free lawyer advice for the day. Mess around, find which out. Which means Kansas City fans, you really have to donate on Patreon because you might have to bail Reese out of jail. Right. Yep. All right. Super <laughs> pack. All right. Okay. Let's let's get right into it then. We love to have fun here. Uh, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun because I'm looking at uh, Sam's uh, mock 2.0. And by the way, you can find his um, his mocks on flyoversports.substack.com. And I'm looking right now, and before we get Kansas City specific, let's go through the hot takes that I think Sam has on his mock draft 2.0. Um, not even starting at number one. Let's go all the way to number three. So Sam has a trade with Arizona uh, and the Las Vegas Raiders trading up to three to get not Will Levis, not Bryce Young, not C.J. Stroud, but the, the the next greatest quarterback to ever live, Anthony Richardson. What is what what what's your justification there, Sam Kuyper Jr.? Sure. So I had CJ Stroud going one to the Panthers. A because I think Stroud is is growing in in the the kind of draft public's estimation as to you know he's he's kind of the safe bet. He doesn't have any of the risks that the other guys have. Um, and then I had Bryce Young going second to the Texans. And it was rumored that the Raiders tried to trade up with the bears to get the number one overall. So I think that the rationale is they're still in the market for a young quarterback. I think signing Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't preclude them from taking a quarterback. So I think they go and the the consensus on Richardson is he has a lot of tools, but he needs to kind of figure some stuff out. He just doesn't have a lot of experience. He has, I think 13 career starts, um, and and just doesn't know a lot. He's a young guy and doesn't have that much experience. So going, playing for the Raiders, um, sitting a season behind Jimmy G, uh, I, I think would um, would suit him well. And if we know anything about the Raiders, I know uh, Al isn't there anymore, but they love these toolsy athletic prospects. Um, and Anthony Richardson certainly is that. Well, I got to ask then, once bitten, twice shy, do you think the Raiders would potentially repeat errors past? Because having a super raw quarterback with a howitzer for an arm sounds an sounds awful familiar. lot like the Jamarcus Russell deal they did like 15 years ago. Greatest oh, yeah. in NFL history, Jamarcus Russell. He looked, the thought, the thought did cross my mind, but um, shoot or shoot, what choice do they have? Um, they, they got to figure out a long-term solution at quarterback, especially when, you know, you, you have the, the weapons of mass destruction in Kansas city and, uh, Los Angeles with Mahomes and Herbert respectively, I'm omitting Russell Wilson because he doesn't deserve to be listed with those other guys at the moment. Um, so I, I just, I think that with, with the Raiders, um, you know, Richardson, he drives me crazy because, um, I mean, we, we, we've talked in the group chat and, and this is really the summary of his, his, um, profile is that he has everything you'd want to have a superhero quarterback, except when you watch full games, I watched full Florida games and was like, this guy, there's no way he's going in the top 15, let alone the top five, let alone the top three. But that's the draft process, right? You're betting on who a guy could be, not just who he was. So, um, that, that was my first a hot take. And, and I, I like the, the fit in, um, Vegas, uh, behind Jimmy G. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, 
Uh, when when people say we see some Josh Allen and Anthony Richardson, like why, you know, some people say, well, Josh Allen didn't play well as well. It's it's a similar story. Do do you agree with that narrative, Sam, or is it is it a little different with Anthony Richardson? I think th- the first thing to note is that Allen. Allen worked out, but most of these don't. Most of these guys who you're like, I don't know if they have the processing and and the mental capacity to do this. I don't know if they're going to work out, even if they're athletic freaks. And a lot of times they don't. And Allen working out doesn't mean that everybody will. Another difference was, and I think Reese has alluded to this, um, Josh Allen was playing with uh, accountants and, um, you know, um, police officers, firefighters at Wyoming. Um, Richardson had all the talent you could ask for at Florida and couldn't figure it out at times. So I think that their profiles are different in that regard, that Allen um, was already asked to do everything for Wyoming. um, And he also had a little bit more experience coming out of school, whereas Richardson doesn't have as much experience Um, And he did have a lot of talent on that roster, but there are questions of, you know, how much did the coaching staff trust him? How much responsibility did they give to Richardson? How much did they ask him to do? Is he capable of doing more? Those are questions that we just don't have answers to right now that uh, somebody is going to bet on that, that he is going to be able to make that leap. But I wouldn't say he's a one for one Josh Allen. And I would also say um, as, as, good as Josh Allen is with his legs, Anthony Richardson is, is better just from a, a, a number standpoint. He, he runs faster. Um, he has a similar build and he, he literally is probably the most pound for pound athletic quarterback that we've ever seen at, at the combine. And if, if I have a question, if, if you're the Panthers, is there a world that the Panthers draft Anthony Richardson and start him day one? There is, I would, I would be terrified if I were Carolina and I rolled out, um, Anthony Richardson day one, I think he wouldn't start day one. I think you'd be looking at, was it Andy Dalton that they got in free agency? I think you'd be looking at Andy Dalton to Adam Thielen next year, which to me is, is not ideal for Carolina, but, uh, I just don't think Richardson's ready to start. And I, I wouldn't want to throw him out there too early. But Carolina could decide, hey, we are we traded all this capital. We have to hit a home run. We don't think Bryce Young or CJ Stroud are home runs. Anthony Richardson, if he works out, um, if he if he figures things out like like Mahomes did, like Allen did, like Herbert did, um, has the capacity to be a transcendent talent. It's just a big, a big risk. Now, I'm a little curious here. You said you didn't think C.J. Stroud was a home run. I think of all the college quarterbacks I've seen over the last few years, I thought C.J. Stroud, in terms of passing ability, looks the most NFL-ready. What's your take on that? I agree with you uh, to a certain extent. So so me saying that Stroud you know, might not be a home run is kind of what people are saying. Stroud is the most – he has the fewest blemishes on his resume – he, um, you know, I think in, in the college ranks, at least in, in FBS, no quarterback completed, um, more passes for 30 yards or more than Stroud did. He was pushing the ball down the field. Um, he was, 
um, surgical at times. I mean, his ball placement and accuracy on some of these throws are, are second to none. And he has sufficient size. It's not like, you know, you get into the Bryce Young conversation of this guy's too small. So Stroud kind of ticks all those boxes. The problem, I think, with Stroud is that people worry that he's uh, Jared Goff, that he has mm. all these tools and he's perfectly satisfactory. But he's he's surprisingly uh, Stroud. He has the athletic ability, more athletic ability, I think, than a guy like Jared Goff. But he doesn't. He didn't use it in college until literally the last game against Georgia. If you look at that Georgia tape, that's not who C.J. Stroud was. Right. He 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 was extending plays. He was making plays off schedule against Georgia, and he looked incredible. If that's the guy you're getting in the pros, then I think you you absolutely pick him number one overall. But a lot of times he was almost robotic in in the pocket and. To me, I think that's what some teams are like. Well, I want to I want to see him extend plays. I want to see him make the wow plays that Allen and Mahomes can make because that's how you separate yourself um, between the haves and the have-nots, the, the Patrick Mahomeses and the Kirk Cousinses. Um, so I, I think that that's kind of the, the outlier here with Shroud. But I, I really do like him. I think he can make that leap. I think he's he's... Uh, he has higher potential than Jared Goff. It's just that that's kind of the the scary scenario, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I, I I I've been hearing a lot that also like Justin Fields is to his his detriment as well because like he came from the same offense. He played incredible in um, in college with Ohio State, but because they had you know an incredible line, they had sure. all this time. You know, he's making all the right reads. Then Justin Fields goes goes into the NFL and he gets lit up, right? He 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 doesn't have the same offensive line. It's a different game. Everyone's bigger. Everyone's tougher. Everyone's faster. So I, people are saying like, okay, well, CJ Stroud looks exactly like what Justin Fields looked in college. It's the same offense. They play incredibly well. He didn't see any adversity, but to your point, in Georgia at the Georgia game, he did. Um, but I think Justin Fields kind of like screwed it over for CJ Stroud because they thought, okay, Justin Fields look great in Ohio State. Bring him over here, and then you know, look at him. He's one of the worst quarterbacks right now, throwing wise. Yeah. And it's been, I mean, Ohio state, you look at fields, um, you know, we never really got to, to see what Dwayne Haskins was, unfortunately, which, you know, God rest his soul. Um, and I'm trying to think of other guys like Cardale Jones, like Ohio yeah, state's turning out, turning out quarterback talent, but there is a question about whether that translates, but I, I would, I would note that fields was always going to be a guy. I think fields ran like a four or five, um, at his, at either at the, his pro day or at the combine, he was always going to be a runner first. Stroud is not that Stroud is a, a pocket passer who doesn't want to use his legs. So he's almost the, the, the inverse of fields to a certain extent, because fields, sometimes you want him to, to sit back there and, and look over a defense and make the right read and make the right throw. And Stroud is the opposite where you're like, dude, you're athletic, go do something athletic, extend this play or, or scramble out of the pocket and pick up some easy yards. So, um, I think that the Ohio state thing might be a little bit detrimental, but I mean, at, at this point, um, we have plenty of tape on Stroud. It's not like Richardson where you only get a, a limited sample size. So I, I think, um, Stroud is a pretty complete package. If you asked me to pick any one of these quarterbacks and I had to go win a game tomorrow, 
I'm probably picking Stroud just because he, he seems like he has it put together. Although I, you, Armando, you do not seem to like Bryce Young. Mostly, <laughs> I think, because of his size. I like Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young can work. So I think you're, th- those are my two top quarterbacks, Young and yeah. Stroud. And it's kind of a coin flip for me between them at the moment. Well, I, the, the re, yeah, the reason why I don't like Bryce Young is because we've we've never seen someone with his size go in the first round, and moreover, in the first couple picks, right? Like like someone was saying, well, look at Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was was two hundred and five pounds. Oh yeah, like like playing weight. They're different builds. Where, where, sure. Where Bryce Young is one hundred eighty five pounds playing weight, right? I know he he was what oh two two oh four and in, in the combine. But like his actual weight, right? Not water weight is going to be around 185, 190. Sure. So that's the reason why I don't like him. Other than that, you're right. On on tape, he's flawless, right? Like he's everything that you want. Some people are saying that he's the like he's the Steph Curry of football. Yeah, we, I've like, heard that a few times. Yeah. So like I I understand all that, but it's just it's just a matter of you know can he get you know can he get hit? You know, like look, look at a guy like Chris Jones. Can, can like, I'm almost 185 pounds, right? I, I don't want to get hit in the NFL. And also for like field Yates, field Yates on, on one of the podcasts was saying when I met him, we had the same frame and if oh. you watch ESPN yeah. field Yates is like Gumby. So like, <laughs> yep. Do I want Gumby getting hit even five times in a season? No. So that, yeah, that's the only reason why I don't like Bryce, but I totally get it. Like he's, he, I know he's the real deal. If, if he cannot, if he doesn't get hit, gets, if he throws the ball out quickly in a really good offense, I think he can be incredible in the NFL. Yeah. I, I, I still like Bryce. I think that um, you're right about the frame. Um, you know, he's not like Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson who have these, the baseball bodies, um, that are, are kind of more compact and, um, he's he's lanky, he's long, he's, he's lean. And that does scare me a little bit, but I, I, I trust the tape. I'm also trusting the fact that, you know, you're, you're asking, you know, what if Chris Jones hits him? Well, you know, Chris Jones won't hit him because he'll get a 15 yard penalty, a a (laughs) $30,000 fine. Um, and then I'll have to hear about, well, the only reason why the Colts beat the chiefs is because of this BS penalty on it's Chris. True. I mean, it, that, that was the only outlier in the season, Sam, we can, we can do a whole other podcast. about. Oh that. yeah. That's, that's another podcast, but <laughs> I just, that that's, that's still in my, in my memory bank. So Dude, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to do a, like a whole, like we're, you and I are going to sit down and watch that game again. And we're going to do like a whole Instagram live on that. Oh, don't make me rewatch that game. That was the most boring. No, I can't say that was the most boring because there were like two Thursday night games worse than that last year. But that was like top five most boring games last year. It was so poorly played on both sides. Yeah, I would say that the first like three quarters of Vikings Colts was maybe worse. But then like the last quarter and a half was was incredible. But, you know, Alex isn't here. So I feel bad pouring salt on that. He's, he's probably crying right now listening to this. He probably we're, yeah, but you know. What what are, what are you going to do? <laughs> All right, Sam, let's let, let's talk about one other thing that is not chief specific but a very mm-hmm. hot topic and it, it looks pretty hot on your uh, on your mock 2.0. So we have Bijan Robinson. People are saying he's he's the next Adrian Peterson. Some say he could, you know, he is the most talented player in the draft this year. Um, but again, because of the running back position, people aren't going to draft him high. Interesting enough, you have him going to the Chargers at 16. So I'm assuming you think that Eckler's gone. Uh, so one, where do you think Eckler's going? And then um, 
yeah, I guess I, I'm just curious what your Eckler take is. Yeah. So Eckler, I don't think has to go for them to want Bijan. Um, wow. I think that the, the chargers um, having a two back rotation could be useful. And then you, you bring in Eckler in, in passing situations um, and uh, he's obviously thriving there and um, rotating between the two. And then eventually they can move on from Eckler and, and give Bijan the reins. But um at the same time, Eckler could say, Hey, I want to get paid more. The chargers would be well within their rights to say, uh, no, um, if you are dead set on being traded, I guess fine. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the landing spot I had for him. And a part of it was Eckler. Um, and and that just kind of worked, but I, I wanted the chargers to sign a running back in free agency anyway. Um, kind of a back that would be more between the tackles. I thought, um, Jamal Williams or maybe Alexander Madison, um, some guy who was a little bit more of the, the thunder to Eckler's Eckler's lightning. I know the charger pun is somewhere in there. Um, but I, I also think that if we're talking about, we always talk about surrounding your, your franchise quarterback with talented weapons and, uh, it sounds like the Chargers are running it back with their same receiving core. I'm not sure how much I like that. Uh, I don't know how much gas left in the tank Keenan Allen has. Um, but hey, I mean, adding a, a guy in the backfield to relieve some of that pressure off of Justin Herbert, I think could go a long way for the Chargers. Yeah, I just like out of all the mocks that I've seen, I've never seen Bijan go to the Chargers. And I was like, that'd be interesting. And and you saying an Eckler Eckler Bijan, like one, two punch, not, uh, not a fun thing for a chiefs fan. To no, no, I, I, I don't think, I mean, cause uh, don't, don't the chargers have other things that they need? Like, like their, their defense is pretty horrid right now. I would just think that they would go maybe like defensive over something like a running back. Yeah. I'm not, I, I honestly, I'm not super locked into what the chargers, um, defensive needs are. I mean, they have Bosa and Mac up front. Um, mm-hmm. they might need some defensive interior help. There's not really a defensive interior player to pick in this position, in my opinion. Um, they signed Eric Kendricks, um, former Minnesota Viking, um, to, uh, I think a, a relatively manageable deal. He's a veteran. Um, I think he still has some good, some good play left. Um, and then they're going to get, um, uh, JC Jackson back. So, you know, you're, you're boosting your secondary. So maybe, maybe they, they decide to hit the defense, but I, I just think that they got to add some, some juice on the offense. Where's the juice. Is it, is it Mike Williams? Uh, I don't, I, he can make against, some big plays only against the chiefs. Yeah. Sure. But against <laughs> anybody else, he, he just really hasn't done um, what, what you want him to do. He's a, he's a great receiver too, but um, Keenan Allen is either hurt or slow. And I know that I'm being a little harsh towards Allen, but he was never really the fastest guy to begin with. Give me some juice. And if you're not going to go for a receiver, um, I think Bijan would be a great option. So here's why I think Bijan's a great option for the Chargers and would fit in well with the offense. But I feel like they're almost a little trigger shy to do anything or invest any sort of serious draft capital in what would ultimately be a risk taking a running back that high until they figure out what they're going to do with Brandon Staley after this year, 
because I don't feel like the Chargers last year were like one piece away from being up there with like the Bills, the Bengals and the Chiefs. I feel like they were a few problems away from being with the Bills, Bengals and the Chiefs. Not to say they're not talented, not to say that Herbert's not potentially a top five quarterback in this league, which, you know, my thoughts on Herbert. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I think the Chargers are in a weird place this draft. I don't know which way they're going to draft. I mean, the good thing for the Chargers is because they kind of feel like in the the purgatory of um, good, but not really good or or even great teams. Um, But they have their franchise quarterback, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. No team embodies the the kind of mediocre purgatory more than my Minnesota Vikings. And the Chargers aren't there. The Chargers aren't in that spot. So from that perspective, at least they're they're well off. But I understand what you're saying. But at the same time, I mean, they, they collapsed against Jacksonville and good teams, you know, don't do that, but still they win that game and they advance to, to the divisional round. And I mean, that's as far as Buffalo got right. So it's not like, I think that they're too far away, um, but they got to fix this offense, I think. And, and they made a change at the offensive coordinator position. I think that was a good, good start. And that's just mm-hmm. kind of why I'm thinking that they're going to go that route. They had a lot of injuries last year too. Bosa was in and out. Uh, Mac was a little Nick nicked up and um, uh, Slater was hurt. He was out for the whole year basically, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so I'm thinking that they're going to get Adderley. get that. Yeah. They're going to get that influx of talent back. Obviously not because Adderley just retired. Adderley just retired. Yeah. Right. So I just think that they're going to boost that offense and, and they're like I said, give me some juice, give me some explosiveness, give me someone who's going to, to pop off the screen. Cause I don't think that they necessarily have that right now. Fair enough. Chargers chargers. I hope you're not listening. Cause we don't want you to have the juice. We don't want you to have the power. <laughs> we don't want you to have any of that stuff. I love Justin Herbert. I think he's an incredible quarterback. We all know that, but let's just, let's just keep it there. Let's just keep it there. Yeah, um, keep it, keep it, yeah. keep it bad. There yeah. you go. All right. Um, okay, let's let's get chief specific now, Sam. Um, so we just saw that Juwan Jones was signed to um, oh, Juwan Taylor. <laughs> Who's Juwan Jones? Maybe you're thinking of Dewand Jones from Ohio State, which is a tackle that could oh, play for the four. Chiefs if they pick him. Hey, oh, nice. Oh save. man, nice save. Um, uh, let's just keep all that in there. So yeah, Jawan Taylor <laughs> has, has signed to the Chiefs and speculation that he's going to be our left tackle. Um, so a lot of people in the Chiefs stratosphere, right? Twitter, Reddit, all the podcasts. Um, a lot of people are thinking we're going to go offensive tackle in the first round. There are some other positions of need, but I think right now a glaring hole is that right tackle because we don't know what uh, Lucas and Yang looks like, you know, we don't know what, uh, who I don't even know who else is, is on that team right now on, Dude, on that right side. Put some respect on Prince Tega. Oh yeah. Prince Tega and, and Darius <laughs> Kennard, right? Like three guys that we have no idea what's going on. So safe to say, this is a huge hole for Kansas city. So, uh, uh I was going to call you Mel Kuyper, but you are not Mel Sam Kuyper jr. I want you to tell the Kansas city chiefs fans, who are your top five offensive tackles right now in the draft? And most likely who can drop to the chiefs at, at, uh, at our pick. Sure. So at the top, um, I, I have him listed as a guard because I think that that's probably where he's better suited. But, uh, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern is my top rated offensive lineman. He is uh, able to play, I think, every position along the offensive line. So versatility, check. 
Um, and he's also just really good. He's just one of these Northwestern offensive linemen that it's crazy how Northwestern could get, you know, another high, um, draft pick here. And they have a a defensive lineman who could go pretty high. He's tested very well. Um, and they still stink in the college ranks, but, um, that's again, a different podcast. Um, but Skaronsky is, is I think the, the number one guy. And then if you start to get to, to the tackles, you're looking at Broderick Jones out of Georgia, Paris Johnson, Jr. Out of Ohio state. Um, and, and I think those guys are, um, more proven commodities. I wouldn't put them on the same level as Skaronsky, but I would say that they're, they're ready to go. If they needed to come in and start right away, I think they could. And then you have kind of the next tier. Sam, before we, before we go there, I'm curious, why do you have Broderick Jones over Paris Johnson? Because a lot of drafts that I've seen, uh, a lot of people have Paris Johnson over him. Yeah. Maybe it's just the, the, the Georgia bias that I'm feeling um, because they, they just seem so, I don't know. They just seem so physically dominant all the time. Um, but I would say I really like Jones. I mean, with all these guys at the top, they're big. Um, they're, they're strong. They're long. Um, but with Jones, I think he, he carries his weight better. Um, I think you're splitting hairs between the two. Um, I, I mean, you could go either way. I think I have them pretty close in my big board, but I, I would tend to opt for, for Jones. I think he's just a more well-rounded prospect than, than Paris Johnson. Well, cool. So that's, so that's your tier two. How about your tier three? Yeah. So then after those guys, you have, I think Kansas city's range where you're looking at two guys who I think could be there at the end of round one, they could go earlier because you never know. But you got, um, I almost said Darnell Washington. That is, that is a tight end. He looks like a, a tackle, but no, he, 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 is, he is not quite uh, that big. I'm thinking of Darnell Wright from Tennessee and Dewan Jones from Ohio State. Another Ohio State guy, um, Dewan Jones had a great first day at his senior day uh, or senior, uh, um, senior bowl. Um, and it was so good that he, he stopped um, playing. He was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to leave the senior bowl. I, I, I did my part. I showed my length. I showed my athleticism. Um, I do wonder, you know, we've, we've seen the measurables. It's not always there on tape. Um, it is a, still a little bit of a projection and he is, he's huge. Um, you have the Makai Becton worries, a guy who the, the jets drafted, but has never really been healthy. Um, and then you have Darnell Wright from Tennessee, a guy that has really grown on me. I, um, I went back and watched some Tennessee tape, not from last year, but from the year before. And Wright was terrible. He was awful uh, to the point where I, he's, he's a late round draft pick. Um, and he really turned things around in, in 2022 at, at Tennessee. And I mean, Tennessee turned things around um, as, as a whole, but He's a pure right tackle. Um, if you're looking for a guy who can probably be a plug and play guy, I really like um, the the Tennessee kid. And, and so that would be, uh, I think, the way I would lean if he's available for the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I watched uh, him against Will, Will Anderson. And, you know, Will Anderson are arguably the most mm-hmm. talented in the draft as well. And Darnell Wright, you know, took him to school, man. He looked, he looked great and really, I, I don't know the terminologies that you use for balance and technique, but 
But man, like he was upright. He pancaked him, took him to the ground. And I couldn't believe it. And I was like, why is this guy going late first, possibly second? Um, and I still really don't know why. Is it because is it because Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson are just that good? It's not necessarily a, any detriment to Darnell Wright. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with Wright. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he's a riser, if he's a guy that that starts to move up draft boards, or, or if he hasn't already. That you're talking about a guy who could go in the teens because, you know, if if there are teams that are holding out some reservations. Um, you know, just because of some bad tape in 2021. Um, you know, I understand that you have to look at, at the player, you know, in their totality, but um, all his tape was really good. And he played, you know, top tier talent. This isn't like a, a, a tackle who is playing at, and no offense, but look, if you're playing in the Mac, you're not going up against the kind of players that, um, that, that you are, if you're, uh, Darnell Wright, who plays Alabama and, and Georgia every single year. So um, he he certainly could be a, a riser um, a, as we go through the draft process. And um, I think people latch on to to Paris Johnson. They latch on to Broderick Jones because those were the guys, you know, as we were starting the pre-draft process that were identified as the kind of front runners at the tackle position. But I could totally see a team really liking Darnell Wright or really liking Dewan Jones because he is the ultimate toolsy guy Jones is. So yeah. um, I, I think that that's kind of where those fall. Well, I got two, I got I two questions. Dewan Jones. Oh, sorry, Reese, just real quick. And then it's not really anything to, to, mm-hmm. to talk about. Dewan Jones, 374 pounds, six, eight. So, okay. So yeah. that's the question I was going to ask is that how realistic do you think it is that we go after some guy that size when we just moved off essentially the giant left tackle with Orlando Brown jr. I mean, he's not the same size, but Orlando was like six, eight, like three forty five, three fifty. So he's in the sure. same area code. Yeah. And you know, the, the benefit is I think it's easier to play right tackle at that size. You know, I'm thinking of, again, I, I always think of old Minnesota Vikings players. I'm thinking of Phil Lodeholt and like a perfect name for an wow. offensive lineman, by the way. I was going to say, uh, yeah. Um, and he was, he was just a, a load. I, I, I don't know his measurables. He was a load Holt. He was a load Holt. So, you know, it, the, the problem that you guys and, and most Chiefs fans had with Orlando Brown Jr., was that he was out of position, that he was better suited to kind of be the mauler at the right tackle position. And he wanted to play left tackle and uh, it just wasn't, wasn't the best fit for him um, being the blindside protector. If you're drafting Dewan Jones and you're saying, Hey, we're going to make you a right tackle. Um, maybe that's a more natural position where he's able to slot in as the, the, the heavy on the right side um, to, to really throw the hammer down. Well, okay. So two things. First off, Phil Lodeholt checking in at six, eight, three forty-five. So that Orlando Brown size, sure. but looking at him, he's all muscle. This is a oh, long yeah. lean dude compared to OBJ who had a bit of a tire on him. Uh, yeah. Second. Sorry. That, that, that's me. I, I mean, that, that sounded like way meaner than I meant to. He's, he's <laughs> no, no, different. no, you're good. Uh, How dare you, Reese? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, secondly, I would be curious to look at some of these other guys that you were talking about, kind of like Darnell Wright, just because I feel like Andy Reid's prototypical tackles 
are guys that he likes a little bit lighter that can get down the field quicker to set up blocks, you know, particularly in situations like RPOs. Uh, I mean, you look at Eric Fisher, he wasn't that big of a left tackle and even uh, Jeff Schwartz sitting or sorry, Mitchell Schwartz sitting on the right tackle side Mm -hmm. for us. Another like kind of smaller set guy. You know, what, what What were your odds be for somebody kind of like Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse who we might not have to move up for and could fall to us? And he's a bit more of Andy Reid's size. Yeah, I like Bergeron. I, I do wonder. I think there was a question about length um, in his arms, about whether or not he had the, the requisite length to play tackle. Um, but but again, I, I have seen that a lot of teams really like him. Um, it seems like he would be an excellent fit inside and could have the versatility to play right tackle. Um, I think Bergeron would be a, a solid choice. I also like um, Jalen Duncan out of Maryland. I thought he had a really good senior bowl. Uh, Wanya Morris out of Oklahoma, another guy who was a Tennessee transfer to Oklahoma that, that played pretty well down the stretch. And then we got to get to um, to Armando's guy, Blake Freeland from the BYU Wonder, baby. Because if you're looking for a guy who's going to, uh, you know, be be running down the field um, on a screen and and making blocks downfield and being being really athletic, um, I'm thinking of of those kind of ultra athletic tight end converts that end up playing tackle. Um, that Freeland fits that bill. It's just that he's got a long way to go before I think he's ready to start in the NFL. One one thing to note about Blake Freeland, um, Andy Reid just hired his son, like Andy Reid's son, uh, mm-hmm. his third son, his, his youngest, um, who was just the strength and conditioning coach at BYU. So, uh, of course, he's going to hire, you know, you got you the connection sons. But, you know, coincidence that the year that we got, you know, a position of need, we got Freeland, we got BYU, we got the new strength and positioning guy coming from, you know, you know, he, he has family connections at BYU. It just, it, it makes sense, especially if like, if they chose Jawan Taylor so they can wait for their guy at right tackle or if they find some at left tackle, right? Like Jawan Taylor gives them the flexibility to not have to go after a specific position on tackle. They mm-hmm. can kind of just wait to see who, fa- who falls to them, which like, like Freeland makes sense in the sense that like we could go wide, wide receiver, you know, round one. We could go someone else round two and wait for Freeland at three is what I'm hearing as well. So I don't know. It it, it makes like weird Kansas City sense because we've seen, you know, Sorensen. We've seen these guys from BYU. It just could happen. I don't know. And he had a hell of a senior bowl. Here's my question. How come Reese is okay with nepotism hires in Kansas City, but not at the University of Iowa? Wait, 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 wait. Well, when did I say I was okay with nepotism (laughs) hires in Kansas City? I'm just saying I haven't heard a, a conscientious objection yet. Well, maybe I'm just only, a terrible only, Kansas City beat reporter and didn't realize <laughs> Reed was there. Maybe that's what it is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, actually, that's, that's a funny point. Yesterday or a couple of days ago when we when we hired uh, his son, I forgot the son's first name. No, I knew I, I just didn't say anything. <laughs> I was I chickened out. You know, that's that's OK. I just we're a culture of accountability here. <laughs> you know, you're Jeez. a culture of accountability for funsies. Yeah, oh, my know. gosh. Dean Armando, we get a lawyer on the podcast and suddenly to like everything we say is just, uh, <laughs> I got the receipts, man. You have all the receipts, but Hey, I still look like Blake Freeman and we'll see where, where he goes. Uh, Sam has him ranked 12th actually on his big board. So, um, well not big board, but on his offensive tackle board. So, so yeah, so we'll see, you know, the, I think the offensive tackle, like 
I think it's a really great group of people. And I think it's just like I said, with the Juwan Taylor signing, it gives us the flexibility to kind of wait on a guy. And hey, if someone falls to us, like it doesn't matter if they play left or right, we can we can plug and play, which will be I think it's be a lot of fun. Um, all right, we're, we're rolling over long right now. We're almost at 45 minutes. This is great. So how about we take a break here? Let's let's do a beer review. Sam Kuyper Jr. is going to review a beer. And let's come back and let's talk about wide receivers because another like super hot topic, super stacked, and a, a really good wide receiver can drop to us at the end of the first round. So stay tuned, Kansas City fans. Go grab a beer. Sam Kuyper Jr. is grabbing a beer. And let's review two. It's This Week in Craft Beer, the segment of the podcast where we talk about what's going on this week in craft beer, as well as review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure. This week, we are foregoing the news segment just because this is going to be a jam-packed episode when it's all said and done, and we don't want to keep you waiting too long. So instead, our special guest, Sam Esquire Jr. Wait, no, Sam Kuyper Jr. Esquire there is going go. to be reviewing a delicious craft he beer has so many today. Names. So many so many so sam too many, ooh, too many. so what <laughs> beer did you bring on the show for us this week so uh, i know the toppling goliath has been featured here before but as a native iowan I, I had to bring it back so we have the dragon fandango which is described as a beer with mango passion fruit and dragon fruit so i'm, I'm excited to hear what sam's take is on this beer for those of you listening at home you probably know how we review beers at this point but we're going to give you a, a refresher course anyway. Five categories, one to ten. You have appearance, aroma, flavor, mouthfeel, and aftertaste. Obviously, one sucks. Ten is great. So, Sam, I hear you cracking that beer. Oh, yeah. Pouring it into a glass. Tell us about category number one, appearance. It It's, it's almost like uh, maybe it would look more red if I didn't, you know, have a nebraska national championship commemorative uh glass that i was using is this a, a vintage glass or is this like a reprint that you got from like the student store this is a vintage glass that i got when i was a, a law student in nebraska in lincoln at an antique store okay well, it, it passes then that's legit. it passes the vibe it's their their five-time national champs commemorative Pizza Hut sponsored uh, 1997 wow. national champs. Oh, dude, wow. this is already upping the beer's big stock drinkability oh, yeah. quotient just from the Pizza Hut glass. Oh yeah. Okay. So what, what was uh, the 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 look of it? It's kind of like a pink, pinkish red. Um, it's it's pretty it's pretty solid. Um, yeah, I I was joking with Reese that it almost looked like cough medicine, but um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So what's 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 next on my uh, category? Give that a one to ten. Um, I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight. Um, it would be better if it was pure red because I I bleed Husker Scarlet. You know. Oh, man. Look, look, look at all these. Look at all these deep cuts. Man, I kind of want to <laughs> see that glass. You gotta send a send a shot of that glass to the group chat. I, I I will do that. I have a few Nebraska glasses. I will I will send those your way. Dude, Armando knows me. I'm, I'm a sucker for vintage stuff, as is oh. evidenced by the bike on my wall. Da, 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 oh, yeah. da, da. Anyway, so category number two, a pe- uh, pff, aroma. What does that beer smell like? What kind of notes are you getting? It's kind of it's got that sweetness. It's got that sour. It's got that fruity. 
Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of all of those. Right. And what kind of fruits in particular are you getting? Can you make any of them out? Um, strangely enough, because you would think that the dragon fruit, but I don't really think I know what a dragon fruit smells like. I don't think I've yeah, had that enough in my life at all. <laughs> so I don't think a lot of, fragrant. yeah, I'm getting a lot of mango, which is weird right. because of the, the color that it is, um, mm-hmm. you wouldn't think, but, but that's, that's the smell that I'm getting most of. Okay. Right on, right on. How much a uh, sour smell you get on there? Is it, is it a pretty potent sour or is it just kind of like a, a tanginess? It's kind of a tanginess, I would say. I wouldn't say it's overwhelming. All right. Then on a scale of one to 10, what do you give that for aroma? Uh, I'm going to give that a, a 9.2. How about that? Ooh, that's a good score for aroma. Yeah. All right. So then moment of truth, the best mm-hmm. category, flavor. Take a sip of this beer. Let it sit in your tongue. Take a sip or a swallow and then let us know what you think. Well, while he does that, I'm looking the the fruit the dragon fruit is mostly uh, similar to kiwi hmm. interesting i just googled it and looks like if you cut open a dragon fruit it looks like it's an oreo or a, what is it a hershey cookie yeah, and cream like bar cream, on the yeah. inside mm-hmm. mess me up all right yeah it's it's tasty um it it's it's definitely like a kind of tart sour um with some sweetness in there some of that that fruity sweetness and um you know, I'm I'm a sucker for fruity beers, and this is this is right up there. Ooh. All right, so then flavor one to ten. What are you giving it? I I think I'm gonna. What did I give the other one? A nine point two. Mm-hmm. I'll give it. I'll give it a nine point four. I, I, I'm, I'm digging this beer. It's it's oh. pretty tasty. Man, this thing's a legendary sours, beer. Why don't I'm on whenever we're gonna re- review sours? Because like I'm not really a sour guy. Reese does sours here and then, but if, if this is your wheelhouse, just we, we, we might just have to have you on once a month to review some sours. I'm, I'm hit or miss on some sours. I I'm a sucker for uh, a Rattler. Um, that that's that's in my wheelhouse. Um, but um, yeah, some sours I like. If it gets a little too saisony, um, I'm not not a huge fan. Nah, saison sours are weird. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this is tasty. Fantastic. All right. Then category number four is going to be mouthfeel. This will be a really interesting one. Uh, consistency of the beer. Is it light like water? Is it medium like juice or is it heavy like milk? And what is the carbonation like in that bad boy? Malk. <laughs> yeah. Pour me a glass of malk. Um, I would say it's it's very <laughs> juice like to, to no one's surprise. It's got that fruitiness. So mm-hmm. um, it, it, it does have that juice feel. Um, and it's, it's somewhat carbonated, you know, it's, um, a little fizzy, but it's, it's weirdly, uh, I think smooth, I would say, which is weird, I guess, to describe a sour, but that's, that's how it feels. Yeah. No, uh, in, in, in particular, like with, um, Toplin Goliath sours, I I do also like feel very smooth mouthfeel on, um, on theirs. Cause sometimes it's like way too sour, but I really like how, like, they mix sweet and sour really well. That makes it smooth. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. You know, I actually just had a toppling G beer the other day. It was their, uh, uh, it's like morning latte. It's a milk stout. Mm-hmm. And I have oh, to agree yeah. with both you guys. It's like, they do have a distinctive calling card that all their IPAs, be them sours, or sorry, all their beers, be them IPAs, be them sours, be them stouts, have a, a telltale smoothness to the drinkability yeah. quality of them. And that's, and that's oh, yeah. hard in, 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 in the brewing process to like, make a consistent beer in different styles and have it be smooth. Like 
that's really what makes them stand out. I think that's true. I agree. All right. The mouthfeel one to 10. I'm going to go with just a solid nine on this one. How about that? Noise. Good for me. From Sam Kuyper Jr. Esquire. Did you know it? So uh, this man's not just taking the bar exam. He's raising the bar when he's examining his beer. (laughs) Final category. Number five is aftertaste. (laughs) (laughs) He tried. He tried. (laughs) I'll find wordplay anyway. I promise. All right. uh, Five. Uh, What we say was aftertaste. What is this beer like when you kind of like have a chance to kind of breathe out, let it sit on your tongue for a while, then take another sip? Does the flavor change much? Are there any other notes that pop out that aren't there on the way down? What are you noticing? I'm noticing it it starts to really get the sour uh, at at the end of it. Um, That's, um, again, not overwhelming, um, but I I really do feel it after it it kind of sits there and you rest and you take a breath and uh, the sour uh, notes really come out. Right on. Okay, I dig it. I got to ask, are you getting any sort of uh, like wheat or grain qualities to this beer i I just know it's kind of a calling card for some of these kettle sours yeah not really um maybe i'm i'm missing that but i don't i don't really get that vibe here all right that's a okay so then one to ten what would you give the aftertaste um i'll give this an 8.5 i i tend to um veer more towards the sweet than the sour but like i said i can deal with sour if um, the, the rest of the beer is good and it's not too much. So I'll, I'll give it an 8.5. All right. Strong score. Then the last not secret category, cause I spoiled it a while back is stonks <laughs> drinkability quotient. Here's your freestyle. I'm already giving you a free plus one for that Nebraska vintage glass because I'm not a fan of Nebraska, but I love me a vintage glass. So feel free to freestyle on this beer. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, and maybe it would taste a little bit better, um, you know, in, in, in the sunshine on a summer day. And we're not quite there yet here in the Midwest. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it certainly does help in a nostalgic glass when Nebraska used to actually go to bowl games and win meaningful games. So I'm going to I'm going to, you know, say that it it's a high, high stonks, very stonky um, would recommend. Um, and uh, if you know, Reese, you ever are in these neck of the woods or Armando, you're ever in these neck of the woods. You can drink one as well out of a Nebraska glass. I'll be happy to provide. <laughs> nah, I don't know if I want to do that. Armando, you're joining the big 10 as a USC fan. You got to yeah. get on board. That's yeah, right. dude. Oh man. But that doesn't mean I have to drink out of a Nebraska glass. It absolutely does. We are expansion <laughs> allies. So if it's okay, okay. If I drink out of out of a Nebraska glass, then you have to drink out of a Trojan's glass. Oh, I I have no problem. Okay. I I am secretly, not so secretly, planning on um, getting a adding USC and UCLA T-shirts so that I can wear a Big Ten shirt every time Iowa plays them because I'm petty like wow. that. Wow. So I'll just, I'll just, you know, people will look around like, why does that guy have a Rutgers shirt on? And I'll be like, you know why? It's because it's Rutgers week and I'm rooting against you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know what's funny is I actually found a UCLA t shirt at a thrift store in college and I bought it. And it was actually one of like the best fitting, most comfortable t shirts I've ever had in my life. And I'm like, something's wrong here. I can feel it. Oh, dude, I miss that t shirt. That was, it was the Uh, perfect combo of like vintage but like not worn down yet. So, uh, 
miss me that. Okay, so then back to the beer. Sam, I got to ask you. Mm-hmm. Armando, I have one of these beers sitting in my fridge right now, a Dragon Fandango. So you know what Shug that them means. together. Much like a nuclear code, you need multiple people for verification. Now, Sam did not put a 10 on any of these categories, okay. but... If I put a 10 on one of these categories, it could technically be a nominee for Mount Crushmore. If I made a nominee for Mount Crushmore, it would need a second-party verification. Sam, do you think this beer is worthy to be in consideration for Mount Crushmore? I, I absolutely do. I tend to be a little guarded with my praise. Um, I, I think that it is certainly deserving. And you know, if I didn't give it a 10, I still think it, it deserves consideration for Mount Crushmore. Oh man, pressure's freaking on. So okay, we got one, Reese. Yeah, that's, that's it's up to you now, Reese, to make sure. And honestly, we can probably, since you and I don't review sours very often, we, I mean, we could put it number one sour on our big board. There you go. Oh my gosh, this is this is dangerous. This I'm is afraid. A mental day on Fantasy Sports Media. I don't know what to think. Well, I, I can't tell you. Just the other day, by which I mean this morning. I was sitting at my desk working on a PowerPoint presentation. I'm like, a beer sounds really good. Just in the way of like, you know, wow, after working with a beer, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I honestly think right now my top three brewery power rankings in no particular order are probably Toppling Goliath, Weldworks, and City Barrel. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I love those bad wow, boys. That's huge. That's so, huge. It was, it's coincidental that Sam reviewed a Toppling G today. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably put uh, now, uh, albeit I haven't had Assassin yet. So, mm. like, I'm sure if I had their Assassin series stouts, I would put Toppling Goliath probably number one. So I, I can't really like, since I haven't had an Assassin beer, mm-hmm. uh, I can't really like fully justify it. But they're definitely top five for me. I think I think Treehouse is my favorite. Tree? Oh, was that a uh, Julius? Yeah, yeah, King Julius here in um, uh, Massachusetts. Okay, Armando, yeah, I'm, don't. I'm in Connecticut, by the way. <laughs> but both you boys. Oh, I was gonna say it looks like a nice fireplace. Both you boys, top three breweries off that the top might... of your head. Armando, you go first. Ooh, okay. power rankings. Uh, ooh, wow. Uh, Treehouse, Weldworks, because I work there. Um, but no, you know it is very good. It's good. Um, Treehouse, Weldworks. Oh, and um, Alchemist. Oh, I forgot about Alchemist. In Vermont. I gotta try more of this stuff outside of Heady Topper and Focal Manger, but yeah. All right. Sam, top three breweries, top of your head. Hmm. Off the top of my head, I, I haven't been to a lot of breweries either or either east or west, mostly Midwest mm-hmm. uh, region. So I'm going to stick with Toppling G. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go Exile. I'm a big Exile fan. Ooh. Exile's good. Exile's good. And then I'm like, I'm I'm going to throw some love out to, to Nebraska and say Zipline. If you haven't tried a Zipline beer, Zipline is um, high quality. Did you would recommend. Zipline? I don't think I ever reviewed it on the show. I've had, uh, what is it like? It's not Pixie Dust. What's their like uh, standard hazy? You're asking the wrong guy. I don't like hazies very much. Oh, crap. I forgot you don't like hazies. That's why you and I don't get along, Sam. <laughs> Hold on. I know we're getting off topic here, but I got to see what I had. Uh it's like fairy dust or something like that. Um, 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 that um, um, um. It's a dope, juicy IPA. No, maybe they don't make it anymore. That would be a shame. Mm. Uh, no, green I, label. I've had Oatmeal Porter. Oatmeal Porter is pretty solid. Um, 
Man, I think that's the only one on here that they still make that I've had. Yeah, you know, I feel like they had more beers than the ones I'm seeing on their website. So you might have, and maybe it's just not listed here. It's possible. Or they just rebranded it. Like it might be the pixie dust that you had, but now it's dope for dang. Oh, Calavera messing me up here. Channeling the spirit of Dino's Muertos. Imperial Stout and Bourbon yeah, Barrel with cacao yeah. nibs, vanilla, cinnamon, and five different chili pepper varietals. Uh oh! I told you the chili pepper, the chili pepper gang. Well, I mean, this sounds a lot like uh, Abraxas from Perennial out in St. Louis, and that's like the highest rated beer on Beer Advocate. Oh yeah, for sure. I was gonna say that it sounded a lot like um, Jesse Pinkman that he uses chili powder in the, in the 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 batches that he cooks. So. Getting get a bit of that uh that Hollywood in here. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. I like it. Well, Armando, I, I think uh I'll let you take us out of the beer segment and get us back into the draft. But Sam, thank you for a fantastic beer review. Appreciate that. Thank you guys. Junior, um, check out Top One Goliath. All the things they have, but particularly check out their Fandango series. A lot of great beers there. Possibly the best sour that we've had on Found City Sports Media in our history. So really exciting. Also really exciting. What we're going to get, get into right now is the depth at wide receiver in the NFL draft. I think there's a lot of great day one guys. Uh, even from like one to six, personally, I think there's just so many great guys. Um, and that's a position of need for Kansas City, especially Juju Smith-Schuster gone. We don't know what's happening with Nicole Hardman. He's probably gone. And I think we want him gone anyway. Um, Sky Moore is, you know, he's there, but is he really going to be wide receiver, you know, next year? Kadarius Tony, he's got some injuries. So it just makes sense that if we build through the draft, we also don't know about OBJ or we don't know about DeAndre Hopkins at this point today on Tuesday, March 21st. Um, so let's talk wide receiver. Uh, Sam. Go through your top five wide receivers. Tell us what you like about them and tell us who likely could fall to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. So at the top, I have Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, I've been really surprised at, you know, some of the conversations about JSN. Um, Some people just don't seem to like him very much. And I've heard, um, you know, some, some criticism about, um, you know, his quote unquote injury and his, um, unwillingness to return to play for Ohio state last year. Um, other on the field concerns is that he would be limited to the slot. I don't agree that he would be only limited to the slot. Um, I don't think that, that he is as good as this player, but you guys might recall a few years ago, there was a receiver coming out of a, a, um, very potent offense with um, uh, other NFL talents at the receiver position. And a lot of people said that he was a slot only guy too. And that player was Justin Jefferson. Um, and, and really? And I, yeah, that was, there was talk um, in the Viking subreddit that, you know, we should go with Denzel Mims because he's bigger <laughs> and faster. And I was like, no, have you watched a football game in the past year? And luckily the Vikings made, made the right call there. Um, but JSN, I, I really like, we still have to see his 40 time. 
Um, he didn't run at the combine. So we're still waiting on that at his pro day. But, um, I think he's a pretty special prospect. I, I think he's a pretty, um, solid bet. If, if I had to take a receiver and say, Hey, this guy is going to get a hundred yard or a thousand yards for you next year, I would bet, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, now, now I have a question mm-hmm. uh, for, for most mocks that I've seen, I've seen Quentin Johnson go number one. So make the case why Jackson is number one on your board and Quinn's number three. So JSN is, um, already a polished route runner, you know, Ohio state is just, we talked about the quarterback factory that they have their receiver factory is, is for real. Um, even, even better than what they're producing at quarterback. Um, and multiple players from Ohio state, you know, Garrett Wilson went on, on record and was like, Hey, I was in that receiver room and JSN was the best receiver in that room when I was there. Um, so, so I think he's a better route runner. Um, he has sufficient size. I think he has sufficient speed. Um, he can, he can do everything you want in a wide receiver. Um, and, and that's why he's, he's my number one. Now, Johnston is uh, a freak athlete. He also has size, which is rare in this draft class at, at the top here. You have a lot of guys who are six foot and smaller, a lot of undersized receivers. And so Johnston sticks out because he's big, he's fast, he's physical, he's six, three, six, four ish. Um, and, and, and that stands out. And also the last time we saw Johnston, I mean, I'm not really counting Georgia because that game was, was over before it started, but Johnston's game against Michigan was, I think, eye opening for a lot of people in the same way that it was, you know, for CJ Stroud against Georgia. So I like Johnston. Um, but you know, all the, all the measurables, you know, the, the broad jump, the vertical, the 40, blah, blah, blah. Um, all that to say that he still has stuff to learn, uh, in terms of being a receiver, running routes, getting out of breaks. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes these physical freaks, um, at receiver don't put it all together. So I'll take the guy who I know knows how to be, uh, an NFL receiver in, in JSN. So here's some, I saw on JSN just now. So I had no idea. I knew that Ohio state was running like a trifecta of like big, bad wide receivers, but it says here over the last five games of the 2022 season, he averaged 192 yards a game. <laughs> That's with Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. That was that was JSN. Yeah, JSN did that. 192 <laughs> yards a game over his last five contests. Oh, that was in 2021. Okay, I'm sorry. Right. So no Marvin Harrison Jr., but that's still insane. Right, because he was still playing with with NFL guys. He he was the guy. And if you go back, I mean, a lot of that might be boosted by his his Rose Bowl performance. But go back and watch the Rose Bowl uh, in 2021, um, or I guess if it was January 1st, it would technically be 2022. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, not last season, but the season before that. Go back and watch that Rose Bowl between Ohio State and Utah. He he was insane. And that was when everybody was like, yeah, this is going to be the top ranked receiver. And some people have faded on that because he didn't play this past year. He got nicked up. Um, people see um, you know, Johnston's size and Johnston was playing. 
but I'm sticking with JSN. I, I saw what I needed to see on tape and, and, and that's the guy who, who I want at receiver one. All right. Let's talk about, let's talk about number two then who I've seen like low in the first round and even, even the chiefs might be able to get him Jordan Addison. Yeah. So Addison, I think again, not a very big guy. Um, he's, he's five eleven. Um, he didn't necessarily do poorly at his combine, but you, you, if you are 5'11", um, you better be running a pretty quick 40 time and his 40 time was fine, but uh, you know, 4.4 or, or maybe it was a four five. That's fine. But, um, if you're running a four five at 5'11", you know, typically we want you to run maybe a little bit faster. So, so there's that. And there's questions about his play strength and, um, all, all, all those questions, I think melt away for me when I watch some of the tape, because he's explosive, he makes big plays, he gets open, um, he has good hands. And I just think he could fall later here in the draft is, is kind of what, um, is being speculated, but I, I still like Addison. I still think that he's worth a first round pick. And I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver too or, or low end wide receiver one. Yeah. I think he's interesting because Caleb Williams really is balling out of USC right now. And I feel like he mm-hmm. can make a lot of guys probably look a bit better than they actually are. I'm with you. I mean, if, so I have to decide the fairness. If I'm going to knock Bryce young for being small, like five eleven buck 73 is, I mean, just to kind of put things into perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But all these guys are small, you know, it's like Jordan Addison, is is five eleven, but Zay Flowers, I love Zay go. Flowers, how he plays. But he's he's what five eight, five nine. He's he's small. A lot of these guys just don't have NFL size. Josh Downs, another guy that I like to watch, but just doesn't have the kind of prototypical NFL size that we look for. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, 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 I've seen Zay Flowers go actually ahead of all these guys too. I, I know his stock is rising, um, but I hope he's someone that can follow the Chiefs as well. Yeah, it's, it's a really yeah. good point. Just like going up and down the the list of eligible wide receivers in the draft this year, it's like they are all like five ten to six one sort of. That right. seems to be where the league is swinging right now. I wonder who started that trend. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but you do have. I know Reese. Reese, you like to build. You you like the idea of building your receiving core like a basketball team. Yeah, you got you got to get a little size in there, and there is size. Um, you, you know, At Perry is um, the best wide wants, receiver in the draft. Yes, I agree. I 100%. think around six four. Um, Wake Forest <laughs> listed him at six five, but he he measured in at like six, maybe three and a half or something like that. He's mm-hmm. a big guy. He looks big. He he can high point the ball. There are some drop concerns uh, with him. I he, like a, kind of an alarming amount. So that might be something that scares teams off, but he also ran a sufficient 40 time. I think he ran around a four or five at his size. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, and then Cedric Tillman from, from Tennessee two Tennessee guys here. Um, and I'm sure we'll want to talk about, about the other Tennessee guy, but Cedric Tillman mm-hmm. is, is a bigger prospect. He was, uh, kind of the, the, uh, jump ball threat for, for the Vols, and he could be an option, I think, if, if Kansas City waits on receiver as well. 
definitely on day two. Well, if they don't wait, though, the the name that I've seen the most in any like Kansas City Chief mock draft is Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt looks like you know he, he's not going to get picked. He could get picked in in the middle of the first, but it's looking like he's going to drop to the late first and someone that can fit perfectly in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. So tell us a little about Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt's a burner. Hyatt has has the speed to stretch defenses deep. Um, I think he's six foot, so he's not he's not too small. He's not the kind of five eight danger zone that we've been looking at outside of the class. Um, you know, there's some questions about the the routes that he was asked to run at Tennessee. That's not a very pro style offense, um, which is one of my my issues with their their quarterback prospect with Hendon Hooker. It extends to to Hyatt too, um, but at the same time. Um, I, I think if, if he can get in the right offense, if he can get in the right situation, you're talking about a guy who can come in and stretch defenses right away. Now for the chiefs, a part of me thinks, you know, do you really need that? You kind of already have uh, speed on the offensive side of the ball, especially at receiver. Um, but you know, can you ever have too much with Mahomes? Um, I, I think Hyatt would be uh, a fine choice if they decided to go that route. I feel I'm seeing linked to Kansas city a lot are actually Hyatt and AT Perry. I mean, I, I said in jest, uh, but the thing that scares me off about both of them in particular is the fact that like Sam alluded to, I'm seeing a lot of places, you know, saying that their route trees, you know, are pretty limited. And as we all know, like the Andy Reid offense is like incredibly complex. Even someone like sky Moore last year was supposed to be pretty good at picking up playbooks was used incredibly sparingly and mostly in gadget positions. Armando, I I don't know. Have you been hearing much about Zay flowers being linked to Kansas city as like a late first round receiver? Yeah, I've, I've seen Zay flowers a lot, but in like national mocks, I'm seeing Zay flowers go ahead of the chiefs. So I don't think that the chiefs would trade up to get him. I just think that like as a Kansas city contingent, I'm seeing a lot of the people that do like arrowhead pride and all those other, like they, they do have them falling, but it looks like national consensus is that, Zay is moving up in the ring. So I don't know if he even drops to that, that low. Mm, he'll be interesting. He's, he's another one that I know his routes are a little bit questionable His route trees a little limited and also his, his size in particular has me a little worried. I mean, I know we're saying they're all short, but this guy's five, nine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what I've heard is that he is, he is exactly the kind of guy you want on your team. If you're talking about a guy you want in the locker room, I've heard that Zay Zay flowers, he practices like a maniac. He plays like a maniac. He's, he's, um, he's got that dog in him as, as we Mm. like to say in the group chat. So from that perspective, I think he'll, he'd be a guy that you'd love to have in your locker room from that perspective. All right. I will end the, Oh, oh, go ahead. ahead. I just, I, I'm morally obligated because I, I, you know, we've talked a lot in Nebraska. If you're looking for a, a receiver who's six foot and is a guy who can take the top off of defenses, but you don't want to spend an early round pick on Jalen Hyatt. Trey Palmer was the fastest 40 time at the receiver position, um, the receiver out of Nebraska. So he could be a discount option. If you're looking for a guy late, I also really like Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. I think he's going to be a, a guy that is going to get picked pretty early and surprise the folks. What, what can you tell us about your Nebraska boy? What do you see on a uh, watching game film of him? I see a guy who, like I said, can take the top off of defense. He, he um, was playing in an offense where the quarterback was <laughs> a revolving door and, and um, the offensive line wasn't very good, but he was the guy he transferred in from LSU 
um, because there was kind of a log jam at the receiver position and he became pretty, the, the clear number one receiver for, uh, Nebraska throughout the season. Um, if you watch his tape against Iowa, sorry, Reese, if you watch <laughs> his tape against Purdue, um, he was really stretching defenses. He was outrunning guys. Um, and he was making plays. I do think that, you know, there's some plays where he'll, he'll catch a ball and he'll go down a little too easy. He doesn't, he's not going to fight for extra yards. Um, you wonder about the route tree there as well. But, um, I think if you're looking at, at maybe some cost effective options later on, I mean, he, he ran, I think a four, three, three. Um, so he, he ran a faster time than Jalen Hyatt. I think that he could be uh, more than serviceable, um, as, as an option there. All right. Well, not only are you morally obligated to talk about Nebraska, but we are morally obligated to talk about Iowa. So to end the podcast, tell us why Sam Laporta is, is the best prospect to ever come out of college football. Yeah. Laporta is, he comes from a long and proud line of of tight end. You from the university of Iowa, which pains me to say, um, Laporta you know, if the Vikings draft him, he will be afforded the the Greenway amnesty clause uh, wow. <laughs> came before him, um, that, that TJ Hawkinson is enjoying right now. Um, but, you know, Laporta, Laporta isn't like Hawkinson. He isn't like Fant. He's he's a brawler like Kittle. Um, so if that's your brand of tight end, which um, I think a lot of people would say, yeah, I want a guy who's going to um, get, you know, be a, a fighter there in the trenches. He's your guy. There's some plays in their bowl game against Kentucky where he's just dragging dudes. Iowa was mm-hmm. like, we're going to throw a screen um, to Sam Laporta and let him drag guys 10 yards for a first down because their offense was terrible. And and that was the only way they could move the ball. So I really like Laporta, but this is a really deep class. So Laporta falls, I think, as, as my fifth um, mm-hmm. option and um, a lot of a lot of talent there ahead of him, too. Laporta yeah, I was, was going to say I've 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 heard from analysts that like your your top seven is consistent as a consensus top seven and yeah. that the top seven all have day one grades like it's it's incredible. Yep, Reese, you got your 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 <laughs> Iowa soapbox. Well, yeah, I was going to say Laporte is an interesting <laughs> one just because Sam, you as a college football watcher will be able to attest is that you almost have to throw everything out the window in regards to what you've seen with him, just because that offense and his quarterback, I mean, it's, it's borderline like dysfunctional. So, you know, seeing things like, you know, his route running could be crisper or like he struggles, you know, looking for the quarterback or knowing when to turn. It's like, how much of that is just the fact that that was just the worst offense I've ever seen in college football. You know, it's, it's like, you kind of, yeah. No, carry on, carry on. Yeah, he he's not he's not being hyperbolic either, Armando and and viewers who don't watch Iowa regularly. This was this I was actually one of the worst offenses that I've ever seen. It was atrocious, and I think I was listening to Todd McShay, and he said yeah, the same. He was like, thing, I've, yeah. I've never seen an offense that was <laughs> this bad at the Power Five level. It was terrible, oh. and and you can't judge Laporta based off just stats. You have to look at at what he's doing and and how he's testing. 
Yeah. Like, like when I saw a few times, like needs to look back to meet the throw. I'm like, dude, the quarterback that was throwing to him would like throw it 10 yards over his head into an out or like a flat ride. It was crazy. Right. right. So Petrus is, is airmailing. All of those are throwing him at his feet. So, Oh my gosh. So what, what we do know for sure, like you said, is the fact that yes, he's got like some Gronk in him where he gets the ball. And he's going to drag two guys another seven yards down the field. That much is apparent, but you know, what's going to happen beyond that is what's going to be kind of the wild card with the dude. I, I think on paper, I don't think he's as spectacular of a college tight end as I've seen with dudes, even like CJ for maybe even Scott Chandler, if we're going to go like 20 years back, wow. but uh, you know, he's, he's going to be a bit of a wild card. I don't know if I would want the chiefs to roll the dice on him. I don't think he plays like a Kelsey, particularly in his receiving abilities, but you know, he, he has a lot of potential to be a fantastic boom or bust tight end. I think. Yeah, I, I would put him ahead of guys like Fedorowicz. I think he's, he's above that. I would put him ahead of Kansas city chiefs legend, Tony Moyaki. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I, I don't know if he has quite the ceiling of Kittle of, um, Hawkinson. Um, he's, he's just, it's so hard to project him because how inept that offense was, but I, it pains me, but I'm, I, when Iowa players get in the draft, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I know that they're going to be coached. Well, I know that they're going to know what they're doing and I know that they're going to play hard and Laporta, if he's there for the chiefs, when, when they can be opportunistic and start thinking, I know you don't want to think about a succession plan for Travis Kelsey, but he's in his thirties. And at some point you have to, um, I think that you could do a lot worse than Laporta. And this is, this isn't normal for the tight end class to be this deep. Um, and, and I think that if you're going to capitalize on it, this is as good a time as any to do it. Oh, yes. Boy. My, my, my uh, video came out, but are you saying that we, we could get a guy like Sam Laporta at 63 or you're saying this in run one? I think you could. Um, again, it's kind of hard to predict because tight end, isn't always a, a super high priority and it's a deeper class. Right. So maybe teams wait. Um, so, you know, there are some, some moving pieces there as to, as to when uh, he would go. I think I have him. Yeah. I have him at 52 on my big board. So, you know, could he fall to the chiefs? Sure. He, he, he could potentially yeah. be there. Um, that would also be within striking distance of, of them to trade up if they wanted to as well. Okay. So just on the tight end topic, I promise, uh, two names that I've seen potentially to Kansas city is Kincaid, uh, sorry, Kincaid and Musgrave. Do you think either of them would still be potentially on the board in time for Kansas city to know nab one of them in the second? Yeah. In the second, or maybe late in the first, if they're the best player available for their needs. Probably, yeah, I, I think first for Kincaid. Yeah. I think Kincaid could be there. It, it's it it's kind of hard to pin down where Kincaid is. Um, I really like him. I think he's um, probably the most natural pass catcher uh, of this group. Um, although I don't know, Michael Mayer, I feel like he gets overshadowed because he's been tight end one here for so long that people just don't even talk about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and he's, he's really good. He's, he's everything. You're saying Mayer is ex Kelsey. Yeah. So, um, but, but Kincaid, could could be there. Musgrave, I think, has a better chance because 
a, he played at, uh, you know, with much less exposure at Oregon state. And he's also coming off of an injury. So it, it's possible that, you know, Musgrave is going to hang around there a little bit longer. I know that Darnell Washington tested really well. Um, I, I, at first, Armando, this is, this is a credit to you because you said, well, he wasn't, wow. he wasn't even the, a, a big, you know, weapon for, for Georgia. And I was like, well, Brock Bowers is there and he's really good. He's probably the best tight end in the country, but there yeah. were still opportunities. I went back and I, I watched some Georgia tape and there were opportunities for Washington to, to do some stuff. And he didn't really do some stuff. I don't think he's a natural pass catching tight end. If you want a guy who's going to be a mover in the running game and, and be kind of an extra almost hybrid tackle, then sure. But he's a projection. If you're looking for a tight end, who's going to go and and dominate in the passing game. He has, he has a lot of room to grow and a lot of stuff to learn. And I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I, I get it, that the combine was great. And the testing numbers yeah. are great, but Armando, I think, had had the right of that wow. at the start. This is this is the first time that Sam Kuiper Jr. <laughs> is giving Armando credit ever. Yeah, I'm glad we have it uh, in the in the annals of of history. I mean, the hopefully the last. History. Yeah. <laughs> so we think we think go on Washington then. I I you know I'm I'm. I would hope that Buffalo picks him so that Mike gets his tight end of choice and that he busts and then you can make fun of him for it for forever. All right. What's, some what's, books. what's funny is like you've you've dropped Darnell Washington on your ranks, but people love Darnell Washington oh, yeah. now after the combines. So now so now they're putting him over Dalton King, uh, Kincaid over Musgrave, which I think is funny. But I'm glad yeah, you're I, on the hot take mondo bandwagon now yes i'm i'm with you now uh, when i i'm i'm gonna readjust it i'll probably have washington as tight end three or four musgraves injury kind of makes me a little nervous but kincaid and mayor are definitely above him all right pretty cool mm-hmm. hey this is look I, I wish we can talk more maybe maybe we can have you on uh, in a couple of weeks we can talk some more because we still we we didn't get to edge rusher i think i wanted to get to something else as well uh but just a lot of great content here Sam, uh, and we didn't get to day two. I'd love to talk about some day, day two guys, but until next time, this has been great. Sam, tell us again where people can find your uh, your mocks and everything. Yeah, you can find me on on uh, Substack for Flyover Sports. Um, again, mostly draft stuff right now. Um, primarily a focus on on you know Flyover Country, the Midwest. So feel free to to check me out, and I appreciate it. Heck yeah. Sweet. Yep. Definitely. Definitely go check it out. He's given us almost two hours of content here. So obviously he knows what he's talking <laughs> about. So anyone listening, go over there right now, give him a like or however you do on, what do you do on Substack? Is it a follow thing or like, yeah, you can follow like and button? subscribe and some Substack blogs, uh, require a payment in order to subscribe in order to get content. I do not because I am a man of the people and my a platform man is not big people. enough yet Look to charge that. people. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, people and whatever you say about keeping receipts. What's your? I forgot what what you keep saying. You're a purveyor of justice. Oh, uh, you know, I say a lot of things, Armando. I can't keep track you of all the things. That I, I'm busy keeping track of the things that other people say. I can, uh, I can okay, keep track yeah. of what I say. Culture of accountability. Yep, culture of accountability. If he can keep track of everyone's receipts, he's a very detailed person. So, so you got to go on his sub stack. 
Anything else, Reese, before we before we end the pod? No, nah, I was just going to say uh, thanks for joining us on short notice, Sam. Really appreciate you coming on this podcast. You are the single most foremost draft expert that I know. So it's it's great to have you come on here and just like take us to school for 90 minutes. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's always fun for me. I've been dying to talk draft and I was bummed that I missed the, the emergency realignment pod last, oh. last summer. Um, so it was good to get get back. Yeah, dude. Once the Pac-12 falls apart, we'll be sure to have that conference uh, realignment oh, yeah. podcast 2.0. Oh, oh yeah, I'm <laughs> waiting for it. We'll have David on. It'll be amazing. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Sam. We'll have you on soon again so we can talk some more draft. Uh, everybody, check out this podcast. Uh, go ahead and like and subscribe on all the all the sites that reset. And we'll see you next week. Don't forget, the draft is in Kansas City, so we're going to do a lot more draft talk. So stay tuned on some more great content. Go Chiefs! Go Chiefs! We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes, and as always... I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.